episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. I'm Richard Davidson, and I'm joined by my good buddy, Ethan Huffman. Now, Ethan, today it is a million degrees over in Portland. You, one would say that it was as hot as Chris Middleton was in the fourth quarter. Yes, it's as hot as it's ever been. And that was as hot as Chris Middleton's ever been. It's as hot as it's ever been in the history of recorded temperatures in Portland, Oregon. And, you know, I just feel sorry for you because I know that you love to get out there and golf. And I I suppose it's not going to prohibit you. We've talked pre-pod and you've got plans tomorrow. I guess you're getting out there as early as you can. But, uh, you know... Welcome to a little taste of Southern California up there in uh, in Portland, Oregon. Yeah, undoubtedly, it's uh, put a damper on the weekend. Um, usually, I don't go two days on a weekend without golfing unless there's some horrible weather. And oddly enough, the heat is considered horrible weather. And as I've often said, the only heat I truly enjoy is the Miami heat. And people always think that means I am from Florida because people don't understand how my basketball brain works. Regardless, though. Um, tomorrow I will be playing golf in a tournament of Northwest Golf Guys. I intend to win this tournament, even though I've never played the course before and have zero course knowledge. Well, um, today we are going to begin with the... Well, we're going to talk a little bit because I tried to uh, communicate with you about uh, connecting, you know, on Tuesday after the lottery, you know, we, we talked about this at the end of the last pop, like, you know what? We'll probably hop on Tuesday night because I'll either, either be really happy, or really sad. And lo and behold, you were, you were busy. You were doing things and, and, and we were trying to, you know, later on in the week, say, Hey, you guys want to connect, ready to talk about, about, you know, all things lottery and, and pistons and all that stuff. And, but you had golf and, uh, um, you know, all that instead we're talking now. And, uh, I don't know if, I mean, I could just talk for a while. We're going to have to, you might have to put, you know, I don't know, do something to corral me in. But the Detroit Pistons, they won the lottery, Ethan. And I'll tell you, I, I was I was video chatting with, with Elkin, and he saw me jumping around, jumping up and down, and uh, it, it, was, it was a moment to behold. No, no, I certainly wish I would have experienced that specifically. No, I was... I was a little preoccupied with uh, vehicle pro- uh, problems, issues, etc. And also just the, I was out and about, didn't really have the computer available to me. But no, hey, the Pistons win the lottery. Like, it's it's honestly a thing I'm, I'm pretty excited about too. You know, you talk about franchises that, uh, that give it the good college try. I think the Pistons qualify as one of those teams. And so it's nice that they, you know, they, they spent a season – Honestly, putting together like a pretty watchful product, game in, game out, while still losing an inordinate amount, I feel like that's the kind of stuff that should be rewarded. When when it comes to the Pistons, we've not been a team that's had much lottery luck outside of you know, at least with our own pick, right? We got a little bit lucky with Memphis and and uh, you know them not getting number one, but you know the Cavs going up there, we get number two, and obviously we we fumbled that, completely but, bungled it. Yeah, indeed, um, but. You know, we we've been in the six to eight range for a for you know quite a while, and in that six to eight range, um, you know we we've had some hits and misses, and what's really interesting, at least in in this regard, for me personally, is like we're going to 
Like, last year, I wanted the Pistons to take Killian Hayes. And we got Killian Hayes. I really love Sadiq Bey. Wasn't expecting that we would have the opportunity to go out and get him. And we did. And now, the opportunity is right there in front of us for us to go get Cade Cunningham. I, I, it, it's, it's something that is really exciting uh, considering, you know, the, the era of basketball, the last decade uh, plus, that, you know, being a Pistons fan, you know, the John Cuser days are not something I really, you know, am, am wanting to go back to. No, the Pistons have been a team of waning relevance. Um, you know, they had a brief moment in the sun with Brandon Jennings playing well, and then his Achilles blows. They have a brief moment in the sun where Blake Griffin makes a third-team All-NBA. His knee has problems, and he's not the same athlete for the remainder of his Pistons tenure. You know, the Pistons have been a little bit snakebitten in that regard, but they've still, I, and the things I respect is that they've always given it the college try and tried to put forth a product that was viewable. And also, you know, it, it might be, viewed as foolhardy, but a team that to make the playoffs and you know, whether there's KCP not, you know, reaching his full potential as a piston, whether it's Reggie Jackson um, being a little overmatched on his uh, role that they assigned him, all these things, you know, they were good tries. This didn't work out. Tobias Harris having a pretty good uh, player development stretch with the Pistons as well. There's a lot of uh, uh, playoff performers that we have, we've seen that have Pistons ties. And I think that's an interesting little factoid of the, you know, in the the way we view basketball, obviously through your lens, but also the lens I'm seeing, because I get to listen to you talk about these random people uh, far more than anyone should have to. Oh, 100%. And, like, it's interesting. Again, the Pistons, here, here's also what you notice. Like, KCP last year, third best player on that championship team, but the first two are, you know, two of the top five to ten players at LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So, being probably one of the worst third best people on a championship team ever. You know, Reggie Jackson having a phenomenal uh, postseason, uh, playing a little bit like he did back when he had that first year signing the contract before the knee issues. Um, but those that experience of him being there, you know, with, with Kawhi injured or, or just them needing to have someone to come in and, 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 and you know, have some big play. Like he's not afraid because he's he's done that and he's been there before. Uh, and so what's really interesting is you have a lot of these guys, whereas you're, you're right in, in the, on the Pistons, they were, you know, first, second, third guys, right. And, and now they're put more in their proper place as far as, you know, where they should be, you know, Blake at this stage, people were complaining about him earlier on in the season. Well, guess what? He was basically the number one, number two option, uh, early on in the season, at least teams were treating him that way. And now when he was in there, he was basically the fifth option uh and so you know you're allowed to play with a little more freedom and exploit your matchups uh a little bit better the only person who's really kind of going over their head in kind of what i would would expect them to do is i think reggie jackson just has been on a heater and that's been real fun to see yeah undoubtedly fun but yeah anyway last thing with the pistons they won richard Cade cunningham seems like it'd be a seems like you can't mess this up Oh, it would seem. Now, let me just let me just say, Pistons Twitter has been in shambles ever since that night. Um, uh, le- leading up to the draft, it was a lot of I'm, you know, I'll give this up. I'm gonna, del- I'm not gonna tweet from this account. I'm gonna shave my beard. I'm gonna shave my head. If you know, they, I'm gonna eat this tweet. If they, if they, uh, you know, do. If they, and this has been a lot of people going back on their word. I, I saw y'all on Twitter. Um, but 
the moment that it happened, it, it, this this is something that like we were all keenly aware of. Um, something has been reported. The Pistons like uh, some of these other people in the draft. You know, they they, they like a Jalen Green. They like an Evan Mobley. Uh, a lot of the discussions coming out at the end of last season were, hey, could we play Isaiah Stewart at the four, right? And get, getting him those reps, not only just to play bad, but uh, and, and you know, and to give him experience and you know, space trying to space the floor, but also for a presumed, hey, well, what would a Isaiah Mobley, uh, sorry, Evan Mobley? Evan. We, don't, we, we don't want Isaiah. I mean, I'll take Isaiah. You know, maybe in the second round, maybe, late second round. Sorry, I mean Evan Mobley, Isaiah Stewart pairing. That's that's how I get myself crossed there. Um, could potentially work. And then you look and you say, well. W- Let's play Killian Offball a little bit, and uh, in case we're able to get a Suggs or a um, Cade Cunningham, right? And then with Jalen Green being like the most like natural fit with our current guys, but again, the Detroit Pistons are in a spot where they don't have the guy yet. While I love Killian Hayes, he's not the guy. I think his ceiling ends up being a lot like, hey, if he can be a Goran Dragic, like that's sweet. Um, but he's got to develop. Uh, jump shot he's got to be able to uh, utilize his he, he, you know the athleticism's not quite there but he's got to be able to be deliberate with his movements in the way that with the Goran Dragic is and he's not quite there yet but that's your hope but he's not the guy yet and so we can't be necessarily worried about fit at this point in time and you need to go and, and get Cade Cunningham really that's what it is but because you know Troy you know is a guy who took some weird avenues you know to get to where he wanted to get to last offseason people were like whoa troy's going to get might be an against the grain type of guy he might want to do this or that and i think that if oklahoma city had ended up at two or three and you know five or seven or something like then i could see that happening but i'm sorry like if you look at you know houston what's houston got yeah they've got all those brooklyn picks down the road but are, are they really like and and maybe you, you could get you know the pistons have like a future super protected pick going out to them. maybe you could get that back and but is that is, is that really what you want to do if you think that Cade cunningham is the number one guy here like you go and you take him he wants to try out only for your team right he's only going to visit your team so you, at cleveland what are you what are you gonna do trade number one for three and sexton like that's just not the move the move is take Cade Cunningham, and that's it. That that's and, and that's what I expect them to do. Um, I would be very shocked if they selected anybody else. If they do again, it's a trade down. I just don't see that trade down really being there. I don't see a team with the assets unless Oklahoma City can get up to a two or three and then throw. But that's a that's a lot of assets. And that, at some point, Presti's got to you know you have to deposit them. You know, you, you got, got, if you're if you're putting them in the bank, you got to go to spend them at some point. But I, I just don't see that happening, and so I think that when it's all said and done, you'll see Kate Cunningham on the Pistons, and I think that it will be a good fit. I'm not concerned about it because the only way that it's not a good fit is if Killian Hayes can't shoot the three ball. But guess what? If Killian Hayes couldn't shoot the three ball anyways, then he's not going to be a great fit next to Jalen Green either. So uh, again. You've you got to hope that's something he has to develop anyway. So, who cares? Let's just go ahead and do it. And guess what? No matter what, it's going to be better spacing than what Cade Cunningham had at uh, Oklahoma State. So, here for it. Amen. I'm here for it. 
Absolutely. Kate Cunningham, just happy to see you in the NBA next season. Pistons or not. But I won't put that evil on you, Richard. No, don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Okay. Um, we are uh, we're gonna move on and talk now about, we'll talk more about draft stuff and all that, all that stuff in a later pod, a later time. Um, uh, but we've got two um, conference final playoff series that are uh, you know not the usual suspects, but have been really, really interesting. And and I want to go to the the one that's a little bit behind, you know, the one that just finished Game 3, the Atlanta Hawks versus the Milwaukee Bucks. Game 3 just finished. Milwaukee has a 2-1 lead. I just want to tell, I, I just for the listeners out there, um, I'm involved in some group chats, and I got some receipts, and I send them, send them over to Ethan, uh, you know, early on, so, so Ethan's Ethan knows, even though you know you might not know, because we really didn't spend tons of time talking about this series. Uh, you know, gave a little bit of a brief thing, but my prediction was Atlanta Hawks in five, with them losing game one. Sorry, not Atlanta Hawks, Milwaukee Bucks in five, with Atlanta Hawks winning game one. Excuse me, it's late. I'm sorry. Uh, so, Bucks in five has been the mantra for me. The reason for losing game one is and was Coach Bud going in saying and pretending like it's a regular season game, pretending like game one is regular season, having Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis in the deepest of drops and saying Trey Young get into Florida range and just destroy everything. And, and that's what he did. Yeah. Coach Bud saying, Hey, um, Brooke, Bobby, no matter what you protect this rim here until Trey gets to Floater range, then step up and let him throw an alley-oop over your head as, um, and sh- shout out Lauren Goretto. As all my conversations with Laura go, that don't make no sense. And the same thing with Bud's defense in game one. It don't make no sense. It's just it's just words. It's just actions. It's nothing. It was just a bunch of garbage. And literally, Richard, the change was they just bumped up a couple feet, a couple paces, and all of a sudden, every action had that many more dribbles from Trey Young, had that many more divergent uh, cuts, and uh, just the timing was off on everything. You know, Capella was rolling to the rim, and Trey was behind him because the defense was up, and had a chance to recover, drop back, and it was fine again. It was incredible how different the defense went when it's just a couple paces more. Now they, I should say that they did do a little bit because they bumped Brooke Lopez primarily up to the level a little bit. With Bobby Portis, they really decided to play him a little bit differently, and especially here in game uh, in game three, they did as well. But yeah, just bumping him up a little bit more, not even again, not even to the level. Just you, you're there instead of being already in the paint in collecting what should be a defensive three seconds as is, you know, you're up there standing where they have that uh, virtual shot clock, essentially. Like, that's where you're at. Um, and, yeah, you're right. In doing so, you you close the amount of space. You, you you allow, you know, you don't allow Trey Young to have the time to just survey the field and kind of see what to do. And additionally, Brook Lopez is a huge monster of a man. If you have him up, like, if you have him up like that, he's also not really getting blown by. Like that's, but even if he kind of does turn it small enough that you know you can kind of reach over him and probably not get the foul. And Brook Lopez has, and especially in that game too, just a bunch of deflections and steals where Trey Young were trying to force things, and Trey Young had a you know way too many turnovers uh, in that game. He played he played really poorly, but that was the game plan that they should have had from the beginning. And I don't know if they were just trying to say let's play our base and knowing we can adjust to it. And 
uh, you know, just trying to steal one while playing bad basketball. They almost did. When I watched the when I watched the game back, I was watching um, after I knew the result in hand because I couldn't watch it live. And I'm watching it with my buddy Ben, and I'm like, Ben, how do they lose this game? Like we're watching, and we're just surprised because they had the lead. Hawks are bungling possessions. The the net the the Bucks are like you know missing shots, but like not completely bungling it. Chris Middleton, you know, went a little a little ISO happy when he hadn't been hot. But then they did bungle it. I was shocked. But it's like I literally watched the game knowing the result and was like, how? How do they lose this? Inevitably, they did. I, sent, I, sent, I fired off a few tweets. I've, my Twitter's been very, very uh, n- not active, um, you know, over over the past year or so. Just, you know, it's there. I observe. I watch things. But, like, it, it, it frustrated me to the point where it's you've got Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis, in, and you dropped both of them on the possession that, that Trey Young had the lob off the backboard to John Collins. Uh, and from uh, basically they were in that type of defense up to the 150 mark of the first in the first game of the third quarter and then after that point they subbed in uh Giannis went to Giannis at the five and they decided to do a switch everything now the, the problem is again they kind of did that in the middle and they they again Brooks Lopez has a role in the series as we saw in in um the the second game he was phenomenal but it seemed as though the Bucks, as well, did not believe in the original plan. And so once they saw, oh man, Trey's crushing us in floater age because we don't have Brooke Lopez high enough, because Bobby Portis isn't high enough, um, because we are just kind of sitting back in this deep drop, they be had they begun to help in and find themselves in places and other people got open. And so it really was the worst of all worlds in, in game one defensively. And again, they were they were close enough. I do think that again, Milwaukee just has far too much uh, that you know compared to Atlanta. Like they just have more body. Like Atlanta's missing people as well. Like DeAndre Hunter's huge to be missing, and there's no reason that Chris Middleton should have had as poor of an outings in Game One or Two with you know considering the people who were his primary defender. Like you don't you should have to worry about that. And then now here in Game Three, we've got the Chris Middleton explosion uh, in, in in the fourth quarter and. He was solid throughout, but in the fourth quarter, there was a stretch where he just decided, I'm going to put put these shots up. And it was really a heat check moment until until he missed uh, one of the perimeter putt. Yeah, but Chris Wilson has no one who can really check him, especially Bogdan having some of the uh, injury concerns that he's had um, wrapping up the Sixers series and going into this one. He's really not in his most physical peak, and you can see that with just a minute allotment. I mean, they're, they're relying on Solomon Hill, like 20, 20 minutes in game one. Um, I don't, I don't have all the box scores pulled up right now, but like just the fact that he played 20 minutes in game one, like that, that showed you enough of what, uh, they were thinking about his physical, physical 15 uh, minutes here in game three and let's see, 18 minutes in game two. That could be a little bit fudged up because of how, of how bad that game was, but regardless, they're relying on Solomon Hill to give them minutes. That's not the expectation when you have a guy like Bogdan Bogdanovich out there who could, should be playing, you know, upwards of 35 minutes if he was fully healthy. Yeah. Um, one thing that I appreciated in game three from, but let's give Bud a little bit of uh, an applause here. One of the things I really appreciated in game three, even that expanded on the um, butt kicking that happened in the first half, uh, where basically the, the game was over by halftime uh, was that you know they decided hey we're gonna be okay 
basically we're going to be switching, um, you know, one through four. And one of the things that I liked is even, even though this put them kind of at a disadvantage, especially in the Bobby Portis minutes where it's, Hey, Bobby Portis really has no shot with Trey Young. Really does. Really doesn't. Um, but what, what ended up happening was when they were switching those, all of those things around, uh, you know, and fine, you know, having those perceived mismatches, whoever ended up being on Trey Young, the one when a shot went up, they just leaked out and they leaked out and it was just transition where, Hey, you're going to have, uh, you know, you're going to be, uh, you know, we're, we're going to kind of be made to pay for, for, you know, allowing these mismatches on Trey Young, but we're going to make him pay. We're going to make him have to, Oh, the shot goes up, whether it's him or whether it's Bogdanovich or whoever, like we're going to make him have to get back. And, Giannis gets the ball. Giannis could pat, you know, could throw it ahead, and it's just Bobby Portis catching and laying it up. And I don't know if this Bobby Portis game necessarily was sustainable. I was a little bit shocked that they didn't make him pay enough, and they settled for some deep shots, some of which went in. But like, I, I just seemed like they should have made uh, the Bucks pay a little bit for being a little bit too frisky with that switching of. Like Bobby Portis out there, like I, there were minutes where it was yeah. Bobby Portis out there along with um, uh, Brooke Lopez, and it's like, okay, you've got that. This is the time where you should do a pick and roll there because guess who you don't come and, and have like, having rear contest from Bobby Portis is going to get caught on that screen, and, and that's it, right? Or you're going to be able to find mismatches where, where it's just they're not quick enough out on the perimeter, and so I th- I felt that they left a little bit on the table and. To be tied at halftime, if you're the Hawks, that was tough today. Yeah, so the, the fact that like I saw we saw Bobby Portis, Brook Lopez minutes in Game One, and it was an absolute disaster. And for that for that not to be the case in Game Three is is something the Hawks need to look themselves in the mirror over. Because there's no there's no excuse for Milwaukee to play that lineup. It's a bad lineup. It's a horrible idea. Um, I guess offensively it can still hold because both those guys can score on their own, and they both can spread the floor for each other. But Defensively, ooh, it's a bad look, and for the Hawks not to find some, some fa- get some found money with that lineup on the court is a big disappointment. And the tough part is, like, there are obvious adjustments that you, that you can make after looking at the film, but now we've got to deal with a Trey Young ankle injury, which those can be nagging. I mean, you you look already, and you know his ankles seem like they are very well supported with all of you know, like, I, I don't know, like it, it looks like he's got. Um, uh, you know, things already around his ankle and he came out and was even bulkier and he really couldn't move. And it's just a fluke injury, fluke thing where the ref's just standing there in the position that he's supposed to be in. And, you know, Trayon goes to step back after, you know, he needs to, you know, get, get back to, be back on defense and steps right on the foot of the ref. And that's it. Now he has, he goes out and, you know, bad, for a while, like, wow, the Bucks aren't making the Hawks pay for, for Trayon not being out there. And then uh, he came back, and he really was on himself. And Trey Young's on himself. He's the hub of the offense. And, like, ultimately, even if he can't make his own shot as often as you'd like, like, that's that's manageable. Like, we've seen Trey Young have bad games and it's still, like, work out for the Hawks when he's having a bad shooting night. But to beat the Bucks, he's going to need to shoot a little bit more. And if he doesn't have that second gear um, – when he's got the ball in his hands because he can't push off that ankle or he can't, you know, jump and make the, the, the new angle pass because he has a, a small stature. That's where we're looking at. Uh, it's, it's just it's it's unsustainable success. Like he's not going to be able to 
to really like, keep it going. And I mean, it, it wasn't a, a a real bad bend. So I'm hope I'm hoping for his sake that it's one of those things that's kind of like it hurts more right now. You get some get some treatment on it, some therapy, and you're feeling pretty good. Um, hard to do that when you got 29 seconds left in the third quarter or something like that. Um, so I, I'm not super pes- pessimistic that it won't work out okay for him. I, I mean, I, I kind of am. And here, here's here's why. You think about normal injuries that happen during the course of a normal playoffs. But for whatever reason, the NBA this playoffs is saying we're having games every single night. And you I, you think you kind of saw it in the, you know, Buck Clipper series where everybody is gassed in that second half. Everybody's gassed. And we're just going back to you know, we're, we're, we're playing we're playing every other night every yeah. other Spe- night speaking of gas that's about the third time you've <laughs> said the wrong team name <laughs> oh, it's sons sons clippers not bucks I'm, clippers i'm telling I, you I'm everyone's sorry. gassed richard you're, you're making a great point because you're clearly gassed too yeah it's I, recording a podcast too late uh, i'm obviously not not at my peak it's bedtime but um <laughs> it's it, it's it's something that that it's it's tough for a team like the Clippers right now with Kawhi being out, and it's tough if you're Trey Young having an ankle injury where it's the the magic the ma- magical solution is just a little bit of rest, and you're not really getting that. You're playing on Tuesday, then you're playing on Thursday, and then if you're if if the series is still going, then you know you're playing on on Saturday. So it's you're playing every other night, and uh, I feel pretty comfortable and confident on Milwaukee in five. Oh, that that's not what I was saying when I said, I think he could, he could be Trey young could be fine. I think the Hawks are overmatched and I think they were lucky to end up winning game one based on the bucks, just being incompetent. Like I, they say, if you, if you, I don't know if, if I said it on the pod, but I would have been closer to a Milwaukee sweep than a Milwaukee in six, you know? And so that five is, is where you land there. But I, I still think that's the case scenario. It's just a matter of like I I don't think Trey Young I think Trey Young will have a pretty good comeback to this I don't think this ankle injury will be like the the talk of the series is is I guess the point I was making I mean no but at the same time I don't think he's going to be at a hundred I don't know one's at a hundred percent here but with someone like him like you need to be able to take advantage of every you know of all these mismatches again I think that the Hawks are at a disadvantage in this series just personnel wise. Like, I just think Milwaukee is better. I picked them in five, obviously. But uh, with this, it's the Milwaukee Bucks know and are, are aware. And so you can play more aggressive. You can be okay with these, you know, people getting switched on to Trey Young and knowing, hey, the moment he shoots it, like, again, this game three game plan of uh, as soon as the shot goes up, just, just go down. Just book it and make him have to be, you know, exert a lot of, you know, a lot of energy, you know, push off on the ankle as many times as you possibly can. And I just don't know. I just think that it's, you know, he, he might put up reasonable stats, but I, I just, I just don't think he's going to have enough of a ju- of, you know, the juice he needs to, in order to really make it, make it go, you know, beyond, beyond, beyond the, the fifth game. So we'll see though. Yeah, we'll see. We, we agree. And we're saying it different ways. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's get to the Clippers Suns matchup now. If if you're if you're okay going going there, yes, indeed, let's get it. Well, 
Phoenix leads three one. <laughs> this by the time someone listens to this, you know, if they if they, they listen to it uh, twenty four hours from now, I suppose this could be over. There's no Kawhi um, for uh, for for game five. No Kawhi there, and it's tough because you look at how the first few games went and how close they were, and you know, honestly, it could be three one Clippers. I, I know, I know that that's you know ifs and a lot of things like. It's not out of the realm of possibility, but at the same time, it's just, you know, it, it's it's another one of those things where without having Kawhi, you just really don't believe that the Clippers can make it happen. Red Jackson coming out, had a phenomenal game, right? You, 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 get, a, you get something from Terrence Mann. You know, Paul George, you know, I, late game free throws aside, you know, puts together some, some quality games, and... You're down 3-1. Yeah, no, they, they're not they're not being buoyed by some of the stuff that they were buoyed by in the regular season. Like right now, their three-point percentage is is at 34%. I believe they shot almost 40% as a team. They shot 41% as a team for the year. Keep in mind that Kawhi Leonard is actually someone who brings that down a, t- a tiny bit. A tiny bit, because he shoots 39% on a pretty high volume for this team. So like that's technically a guy who's not actually dragging it down, but he is dragging down how open some of these threes are. And we're seeing in this series that they are like it, it's fatigue, it's it's less quality of looks because Paul George has to create so much. This team is shooting 34% from three, and this is a team that um, if they played the regular season out to their fullest potential, might have broken the record for highest three point pursuit percentage team in NBA history. But they went to the David Oturo show in uh, game 72. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, things that we talked about in this series um, last last week Sunday. One of the things we said and we both agreed on was DeAndre Ayton's going to eat in this series because boy has he he has he has. I mean, and I'll say Zubach played has played better than I anticipated him playing. I thought that it would be very tough for him, especially once Chris Paul came back. It's like that that game three uh, surprised me. Um, just because I thought once Chris Paul came back and if he had too much of him, it was going to be, you know, the, the mid-range show and that Chris Paul, you know, was going to be able to feast, but they, you know, he was off. He wasn't making the shots. It was, and, but no matter what, you know, the small ball lineup, guess what? Aiton's, you know, Aiton's not going to play off the floor and he's going to, it's going to be a, a big lob there. And you're playing Marcus Morris in a drop defense. Uh, they're, they're like, I saw, I saw, I was like, what, what are we doing here? If you, if you have Marcus Morris out there, I, I recognize that if you're getting in too deep into your bench, right, you know, you've got to do some different things, but that, that wasn't, that was a mistake. You know, you're, yeah. you're just, you're, you're just asking for it at that point. Um, Oddly enough, like if you you're looking at like options for this team to go with and, you know, the whole idea of going small and playing eight and off the floor is a noble one at that. But that's all it was. It's just been a thought process. Because if you look at the, if you go to the Clippers series on Basketball Reference, um, there's a, you can see where what lineups are working the best. And it's actually it's more offensive heavy, which I would include Zubak in an offense heavy lineup. It's Kennard. Like it's guys that are actually giving a lot of offensive value, not so much the defensive value. They're having positive defensive offer, offensive rating, like nets. It like Zubak right now is at a 145 offensive rating, a 105 defensive rating, and like you can't help but look at that and be like, well, sounds like that's that's a little bit better 
than uh, than what a Marcus Morris is doing with a 79 offensive rating at 112. And again, all these numbers are, you know, they're, they're a little bit cherry-picked because it's all about five-man lineups, and you don't always know who's surrounding who. But we can look at we, when you look at the Suns, there's a lot there's a lot less of a uh, just dramatic disparity up and down the lineup, and it, it, it has a lot to do with with one guy DeAndre Ayton being getting a bulk of those minutes and care and I think holding up other lineups. Whereas Zubak, it's such a uh, divergent play style when he plays versus um, Marcus Morris playing center or even Batum, who's not been playing a lot in this series, and that is surprising to me. What's interesting is that I've been here, like to go on to, off your point of, you know, hey, maybe maybe steer a little more into the offensive aspect to it. Like we haven't, I guess, in the discussion with Trey Young, um, it's been well, you know, teams really haven't been taking advantage of him, and you know, this is this we, we one of the things we did say is I thought that this was the series that maybe they would be able to take advantage of uh, of his defensive limitations. But some of the discussion that I've been hearing on some on some you know national podcasts and uh, you know has been like you know maybe in this era you can get away with it with you know having some guy out there who's you know not um, you know who's maybe a little bit of a defensive liability. I, I mean, and, and but then I look and I see it's like well then then how come how come the Clippers can't really feel free enough to like like we mentioned like someone like Luke Kennard, who you know in theory can give you more offense, but is a defensive liability. But I, I just wonder why, you know, it, it's that thought process when I hear it spoken about Trey, is not really extending, and people will say, oh, well, you, you know, Luke Kennard, you know, he, he can't really hang. I, I wonder if that's just a um, an issue of the teams that the Hawks have played. And kind of that unique situation versus, hey, you know, they really haven't had, you know, guards, you know, the pull-up guards like we all have in the Western Conference, right? Where, where they're just going to rise over the top of you, Luke Kennard, and you're in your, your uh, you know, short wingspan and, you know, you're, 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 you're just going just gonna to be destroyed. Whereas in, and, you know, if, if you try to hedge and do it, like there's, there's enough shooters and, and I, I don't know, I... I've just been trying to reconcile that in my mind. And it, I think where I'm at right now is it's just, hey, the, the teams out West have, uh, you know, players that are able to take advantage of that more. And the team that really would have, would have, been, would have been able to take advantage of it in the Eastern Conference, with Brooklyn Nets, they didn't face. So, and I, I should say, the Milwaukee Bucks, I think, have done a decent job in some circumstances, you know, at certain points in this series of, of making, you know, putting it on Trey Young and making him uh, in the half court at least. We talked about what they did in, in transition, but in the half court, making him pay a little bit. But I don't think as much hunting is happening in that series out east as there is out west. Yeah, and I think a lot of that has to do with the the personnel on the, of the Bucks roster, right? Like everyone jokes on Giannis for not having a bag. Uh, Drew Holiday, while having it being an, an a complete offensive player is not like your heavy ISO guy. Even Chris Middleton, while he is the most ISO heavy guy of the Bucks, is not a guy who does like the Bucks. You know, really thrive off that egalitarian offensive style. And I think that's what truly decides: is it worth it to go hunting? You know, when we're talking, I would look at 
you know, even a team like uh, like Miami, um, who has Jimmy Butler, he's a guy who can like you know pick a mismatch and really try to attack it. Uh, Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, guys who can pick a mismatch and go attack it. LeBron James, like we're talking about, like you look at guys um, on the other side, Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Not every team is equipped with that unique. I will shoot from anywhere. I can score from everywhere. I will hunt you wherever you are. Like some teams, you know, Chris Middleton might only be comfortable hunting around the three-point line. He doesn't really want to get into the paint. Mid-range is fine. Not having a three-level attacker does limit how much you can hunt just because it's he, – he, he can early switch. He can hot. Like you can run around, do a lot of uh, creative things on the defensive end to keep those guys out of actions if you're a guy who can't take him at all three levels. Yeah, I mean the mismatches that – the Bucks trying to get our, well, let's go ahead and try to get John Collins guarding Giannis, uh, you know, a situation like that. Like that's the type of thing that they've been trying to seek out. And, um, but again, Trey kind of stashing him on the weak side and maybe it's an offensive rebound to PJ Tucker is a way that you're able to exploit him. It just, it's different than, than usual. Maybe those things go underneath the radar a little bit. Yeah, it, the the hunting culture in, in, in this series is just a little. It, there's just not as good. There's there's not that one guy. There's not even like a Jason Tatum level of like ISO. I can get you at all three levels kind of guy. And that's what it takes to really like pick like truly pick on someone to truly run someone out of a series. It takes that that three level ability. Yeah. Um. So with this, you know, Clippers Suns mashup, I just you know we said it in the game. I didn't think that they'd have the horses in this series to be able to, you know, make it happen. And I'll say the Clippers have surprised me. Like they played better than I thought that they would. Um, so, you know, shout out and props to them, but being down three, one to this team, I, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what adjustments that, you know, you can actually make me. Pat Bev has done, you know, for, for as much slander as, as he gets and uh, all that stuff. Like, with the way that Devin Booker plays, like him being able to be as aggressive as he is, um, you know, Luka Doncic torched him, but that's also because of the style that Luka plays with, as opposed to Devin Booker. It's a little bit different how he wants to go about, about his business. And, but you know, I, I I just look at, I I just, I don't know what, what your options are um, without Kawhi Leonard. And I, it, it's not as simple as this, but I, I really do think it's it's more Nick Batum. I think he's a guy who can help the offense, and like I know he's 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 been shooting poorly in this series, but I think he's a guy who can help in a, in a multitude of ways. He he can be a ball mover. He can he 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 does command respect to the three point line. I think he has is uniquely able to to guard a lot of people. Like he's you know he's been reinvigorated this season. He's played really well and for some reason his minutes are just like tanking. And I don't I know Patrick Beverly like has has a decent matchup for Booker and how he's annoying him. Terrence Mann, I I yeah, I don't want really to take minutes away from him. He's he's playing phenomenal. And with more of a center, if I got Zubox playing, like because of how productive he's been, it really comes down to like why are we playing Rajon Rondo? Why are we playing Marcus Morris as much if he's been woefully ineffective. And I just, I look at Batum as a guy who can, who can mask over a lot of deficiencies a team like the Clippers have missing a Kawhi Leonard. I know he's not, it's, this is not a, a yes, this is a hundred percent the reason, but I, I, I personally think he's being underutilized in this series so far. To be fair, he's has the sixth most minutes um, in this series uh, for, for, for the Clippers. Right. But you're right. Like, it's true. 
I feel like we've seen too much Rondo minutes. I, I, with what Rondo brings, like I've talked about this, like I think Luke Kennard can have enough ball handling. I know it's not exactly Rondo, right? I, I understand it's that, but like again, you know, while we know playoff Rondo is a thing, it's I, I just I don't know if he brings enough for the downsides, especially with you know Marcus Morris being a little bit hampered with injury himself. Like, he's only been able to play so much. And uh, still, uh, he probably should get – actually, I'm sorry. I think I think Batum is seventh, right? I think, more, I think Morris is slightly ahead of him. Like, I, you're right. I think he should get some more, more minutes, more time. But imagine ima- – I, I just feel a little bit, you know, downhearted that, that, we're, that we don't get to see Kawhi Leonard at all. Uh, but oh, guess what? Obviously. Uh, other teams – have had all these issues and injuries and and, and it's, it's just part of it it's just part of it it is and say so we're, we're we're at the stage where it's just grasping for straws especially when you're when you have a limited amount of personnel and you have a limited amount of people who are a- eligible to play because obviously you, you look at the last four names in this list amir coffee yogi ferrell daniel tour and jay scrub guys who got in literally just for some garbage minute you're not getting any help from those four. I hate to tell everyone, but those four miles will not be on the list. I will say, um, by the time we podcast again, both of these series could be over. Probably, if, if they go by kind of how we think that they're going to go, they will be over. Um, and, you know, we'll be seeing Bucks versus Suns. And that's going to be a series that is... Um, I'm excited for it. I'll be ready for it. Um, and I think, like right now, if you like, you search for the NBA Finals dates. They got you know Thursday, July eight. But I think that if, uh, from what I was hearing, I think that it, that can get bumped up to a slightly earlier time if um, the Bucks handle business uh, by Game Five. So we'll see. Oh, we will be tracking it, Richard. Undoubtedly. Um, we will have to see. I, I, I'm excited for, for that series to happen. I really want that to be the series. I don't want any, you know, knock on wood really loudly. I don't want any more of these. You know, we talked about injuries being part of it. I want no more of those. I want these series to wrap up nice and quickly. Give And gives these, you know, especially a Chris Paul, in theory, some time to rest up. And I want the best finals that we can get, uh, given the circumstances. I gotta say, my pick of the Bucks being the finals uh, winner. I don't, I, I don't, don't want to get a little too for you, you know, too much of a preview. But I, I be, I, I don't know. I, I worry because I look and I see Monty Williams, and I see competence, and I look on the other side and I see Coach Bud. <laughs> oh no! And I, I just. I, I'm, I'm totally ready for him to come out and, and game one again, have Brooke Lopez in the deepest of drops and be sad. It, if we see that, we just need to go straight to the Devin Booker and Chris Paul over because both of them are one of them. Yeah. One of them, if yeah. not both, are going to hit it. And once again, it'll, it'll be shout out Lauren. That'll make no sense. <laughs> <laughs>